So welcome to Catastrophe Lesson 3. I have that right. Um, so last lesson was on Adam and Eve choosing to believe Satan's lies about God rather than continuing in a perfect relationship with him, with God. And as Kevin had explained for us, they are created in God's image, Adam and Eve were, uh, to live in a perfect relationship with God uh, in the Garden of Eden. And of course, there was the two special trees in the Garden of Eden. That one was the tree of life, the other the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And, uh, and it's not like God said there's, you know, only these two trees, don't eat of one, and there's the other. There was like, as Becky was saying, there was a, God was generous, and he had a ton of things for them to choose from. But he just said, just this one, don't eat of it. But we know that they were tempted by Satan, who was kicked out of heaven, uh, and wanted to destroy anything that was close to God, and, and it, these were God's image bearers, and so he wanted to take them down. Um, God warned them that they would die, and that's, a very, that's kind of what we're going to dive into this lesson, like this whole death. What does that mean? God said they would die if they ate of it. He said, surely they will die. Um, so up to that point, they're holding the fruit in the picture here. Um, they're starting to get proud. You know, they're, they're thinking, their actions are telling us that they're communicating to God that he doesn't need, that they don't need God anymore, that they think uh, they can exist by their own wisdom. They're going to take their own road. What, the rest of the gifts that God gave in the garden, what did they do with them? This perfect relationship, this abundant life. What were they doing by, by making that choice to, to believe Satan? Rejecting. Yeah, rejecting. Rejecting God's good gifts. Yeah. Did they choose to side with God or did they choose to side with Satan, the adversary? <laughs> yep, it's not a trick question. They chose to believe Satan. Did they believe a truth or a lie about God? Why? They chose to believe a lie about God. Yeah, so they became proud, as I was saying there thinking of themselves more highly than they ought. <clears throat> and then their actions led them to sin and communicated to God that he didn't, they don't believe him. They don't believe that he is good. They don't believe that he is enough. They had this uh, doubt. And all these attitudes and actions are called sin. There you go. So sin is anything that rejects God's character, his will, his word, um, his ways, and it opposes him. So there's, there's something that rejects, but then there's also an action of, of oppose, an act, like a, an active aspect of opposing God. You know, and it can be, as we've been saying, it can be your words, your thoughts, your actions, or your attitudes. So today's lesson, we'll see how this decision to disobey God affected Adam and Eve and some of the playouts, And we'll see how it affected their relationship. So as we look at, at this whole lesson... We remember that sin started with Satan's pride and rebellion. Adam and Eve choose sin. And now the hook for this lesson is, is uh, separation from God or separation and death. And again, as other truths are coming out through this lesson that you see the words of God's truth highlighting, feel free to mention them, bring them up. Let's talk about it. Okay. 
So our first Bible verse, Genesis chapter 3. We're going to get into the, the whole story here. Um, Genesis chapter 3, verses 6 to 13. So what we'll do tonight is we'll just read that chunk and then uh, dive into it and have a few, few more verses after that. So it says here, and I'll put it on the projector there for whoever doesn't have the Bible with them. Genesis chapter 3, verses 6 to 13. The woman was convinced. She saw the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked? The Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? The man replied, It was the woman you gave me who you gave me who gave me the fruit and I ate it. Then the Lord God asked the woman, What have you done? The serpent deceived me, she replied. That's why I ate it. That's the story we're in. So let's engage with this story, you guys. We're getting to the point here. They they sowed fig leaves. They ate the fruit. What happened? Her eyes were open. Against what? They realized they were naked. Realized they were naked? Yeah. Couldn't they see before? They had the knowledge of good and evil. They had the knowledge of good and evil. So what kind of seeing are we, is the word talking about, do you think? I mean, they walked around the garden. They didn't have one of those sticks, right, to make sure they didn't hit into a tree. Says their eyes were open. What were they open to? Yeah. They got the knowledge of good and evil. There's shame that entered with that, sin that entered with that. It's it's almost like spiritual eyes, right? Like almost like the eyes of their heart in a sense. Because we're not talking of their physical eyes, their eyes have been open. We see that with Adam and how he received Eve. Uh, we see that with Adam naming the, the animals. He could see physically. So now it's like this deeper seeing, this in a spiritual sense seeing. So yeah, sin and awareness of good and evil, they became open to. And this affected their souls. It affected them at the depths of who they are, the eternal part of them, their mind, their emotions, their will. So their spiritual perceptions were changed. Before, when they relied on God for all of that, now they are putting it into their own hands. And this is when it gets messy. When humans take it into their own hands to redefine good and bad, that's bad. <laughs> Look where we're at today with defining right and wrong. And this is where it began. We're at the stage now where people say, well, that's right for you, but that's wrong for me. Well, how can that be? So they realized that they were naked. 
But it's interesting that before that wasn't mentioned, right? Did we see anywhere before that it was mentioned that they were naked and, uh, and okay with it? Or not okay with it? 225, it says they felt no shame there, but they never felt shame before, or sorry, yeah, before this point. But now it's gone from 225 where they felt no shame to now where they are hiding. Cover themselves, it says there in verse 7, sewed fig leaves together. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and why? What about it? What, what, what was a shame? I mean, it's not, like, it's not like they had a few too many you know, chocolate bars at Christmas and they wanted to cover up that spare roll or something. You know, like, I mean, they were created as, as models of human beings, the first two of them, right? So there was something deeper, something spiritual, something, yeah, gravely wrong. So sin and the knowledge of good and evil is totally corrupting now. They're thinking, their spiritual sight. We're going to do something a little different tonight. We're actually going to, we're a smaller group, but uh, maybe we could break up into like three groups. Reread this same section to yourself or in your group quickly. And then I want to dive into uh, this PowerPoint here. How this sin and new knowledge is affecting Adam and Eve. But then this, the question specifically, and you have these in your notes, how is it affecting them personally? How it's affecting their relationship with God? and the relationship between the two of them, Adam and Eve. So, um, how many is there tonight? Two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve. So, I guess a few groups of four would work. And we'll pick up in five minutes. All right. <laughs> no, thought I'd avoid people falling asleep listening to the podcast, our thousands of listeners. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Never know one day. So, how sin and this new knowledge is affecting these three areas, how it's affecting Adam and Eve personally, their relationship with God, and the relationship between Adam and Eve, like between the two of them. So, what do you guys come up with? Uh, let's start here. What do you guys come up with for that? Uh, let's start with the first one. You guys represent the first one. Go for it. You three took notes. <laughs> Um, just the idea of how it affected them personally. They were they felt shame because they were naked. They realized they were naked and they never thought of it before. And so shame being the main one that we can get um, from the passage there. And it's just a, a different awareness than what they had before. Okay. And then they took action as a result by making themselves covered by the Yeah. As a result of the shame you're thinking? Okay. That awareness of their discomfort or with their nakedness. Yeah. <laughs> Which just made me think of something we had written down, but that they felt that they could solve the problem. Yeah. They thought they could take matters into their own hands, their own wisdom. <laughs> they didn't want to see God, they were hiding from Yeah. So what, what else personally, the view of, view of themselves, like Brent looking at himself, Adam looking at himself. You guys want to pitch in? I guess also the idea that they no longer thought they were perfect. Yeah, something was upset. Yeah, because if they were perfect, there'd be no need to cover. But if they're covering, they obviously think there's something wrong. Yeah. 
yeah, something's, something's the matter. Totally. Maybe, was there a fear, even among, like, within themselves? Maybe I shouldn't throw any of those out there yet. Maybe you guys have some of this. Um, do you think they know? They knew they disobeyed God? Yeah. So in their mind, they're guilty. They're probably feeling guilty. There's one tree. Don't eat of it. So now they know they just disobeyed their maker. The one that they know is their total source of life, their sole source of life. And it, it is ironic that they thought that taking a fig leaf or whatever leaf it was and covering themselves would actually cover something that is intrinsically wrong now. So here they thought something exterior could fix something interior. It also, I mean, everything they did, that, that choice now drove them to those actions. I think Becky or uh, Amy, you said something to that effect. How about the second one? How did, it, how did um, this new knowledge within the sinful action of disobedience affect their relationship with God. Does group two want to tackle that one or spearhead it? And then feel free to jump on the rest. Uh, the, the relationship with God? Oh. Yeah. Yeah, afraid of God because they hid. Seems like they hid together. So yeah, it would, yeah. You, it, I would presume that it was more God that they were <laughs> wanted to remove themselves from, in a sense. Yeah. So there was a fear there too, probably. Shame, Shame there as well. Guilt. Guilt. Yeah. Yeah, what now? It was perfect, so anything we just added to it that was negative is going to not make it any more perfect. It's going to make it imperfect. Anybody else want to add to it? Add to what's been shared? Whatever all those feelings were, it was obvious, as Becky said, as they hid, they didn't want to be in his presence. They didn't want to be seen by him, is that what he said? Yeah, good work. And it also, as we read with, as we're learning with pride, it blinds, it blinds the clear thinking. Like Satan back there, throwing his fist up at God, he earlier thought that he could overthrow God, the one who made him. He knew everything about God, unhindered. His pride blinded him, and he thought he could overthrow the one who made him. So now Adam and Eve, pride is entering in. They, they saw the fruit was pleasing to the eye and for knowledge. So they know they just went against their powerful owner, but in their pride, they thought something good of it could come for their own gain. How about the third one? The relationship between Adam and Eve, what changed with the introduction of sin? Yeah. Blame. blame game is starting. Mm-hmm. Blame you, 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was going to just go one step back there with you. So, he's wagging his finger at his maker. That's pretty gutsy, pretty blind pride, isn't it? He didn't stick up. So there's this huge shift now from, from a perfect harmonious relationship between Adam and Eve, Adam and God, Eve and God, and God with them, to just disunity and disharmony. Um. One, one thing that kind of seeing this is uh, I'm not sure what you call uh, maybe it's anthropologists who look at different peoples and stuff like that but they, uh, there seems to be three dominant worldviews of uh, honor and shame uh, fear and power and law and guilt Mm-hmm. Yeah, to gain power, but then passing shame and guilt, feeling it. Fears, yeah. Um, one, one point that I think Andrew actually highlighted, he, he's, I wish he was here tonight to encapsulate it very well again, but um, there's a popular thought nowadays that justification, which we're not there yet, but I think a lot of you are familiar with that term, to be, to be made right with God... Um, is justification at its simplest, I guess you could say. But there's a, there is a movement today to suggest that to get things right is actually first to get things right with humanity amongst each other, that that's the priority, and then justification with God is, comes next or is secondary. But right here in these actions, we see that when, once Eve sinned first, Adam had a choice, another choice. Do I join her? Or do to keep unity with my wife, or do I stay with what I know is right with God? Well, he turned his back on God, so that that shows right there that he was going to serve humanity, his wife, where God then also there was consequences for that betrayal, so to speak. There wasn't it wasn't showing. Andrew said it's so much nicer than that, but. It was showing how he was prioritizing, Adam was prioritizing his relationship with another human, and God was, as we see the play out of it, wasn't approving of that. That the relationship he was most concerned about was with himself, for Adam with God and Eve with God. So. That reminds me, in a sense, of Romans 1, where people choose, chose to worship and serve created things rather than the Creator. Right, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I heard a couple of you guys talking about, you know, God called out, but clearly he wasn't being an all-knowing, all-seeing God. He's spirit. He's ever-present. He knew. Yeah. No, he lost. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I wish I put the, one of those little GPS tracking devices on Adam and Eve right about now. No. He calls out to them. What is this showing 
of God. He's still looking for a relationship. Yeah, he's initiating. He's, he's showing grace, and we haven't defined grace yet, and we will tonight, but he shows grace in that he's showing love, and he, concern, care. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's right. He takes the first step. He's the initiator. And we're going we're gonna to highlight that and see that so many times throughout this study. Um, he's, a, he's also a, a wonderful counselor in the sense that you know, something's wrong, you know, things are messed up, but he invites them to talk about it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Calls out to them, where are you? He's initiating it. They're already feeling fearful, guilty. Here, I want to bring this up here. Shame. They're feeling vulnerable. They're hiding from each other by covering themselves. They're hiding from God. There's the blame game happening. So all these are overlapping into how it affected their relationships with him, with God. And as Tony was saying there, he had the guts to say, the woman you gave me. The woman you gave me. And then, oh yeah, but the serpent you put here, God, deceived me. Hmm. It's uh, some very negative side effects that are starting to play out here already. What happened with Satan when he led that rebellion. What, do we, what happened here? Did God come and say, Satan, where are you? What happened? Yeah, and it says in disgrace. It says in disgrace he threw him down to the earth, prepared a lake of eternal fire, torment for him and the demons. But here he's saying... Where are you now, Adam and Eve? Now that you've sinned, where have you gone? The Bible Project guys kind of make an interesting, um, I don't know, observation or, or, yeah, what have you. I can't think of the right word. But, they, you know, Eve acted in independence when she picked that tree. Independence of Adam, independence of God. Then Adam, too, acted in independence from God. And them covering themselves perhaps also had a component of wanting to hide each other, hide themselves from each other. Because before there was just total, perfect, complete trust. They knew that they only ever acted perfectly towards each other, where they knew they could know the best interest of the other was in mind. But now they just acted independent of each other. And so... They can't trust each other now. Even, even that's broken. Even though Adam chose to side with his wife at that point, Eve, there's, there's a disunity now between the two of them that's, that's very, uh, yeah, very real. Um, what's, what's drastically changed here? We've talked about these words of guilt, shame, fear. What's changed? Everything. <laughs> Everything. 
Yeah. They've, sin has entered. They've rejected. And, and there's been a separation. A separation from God. And, and it gets a little complex. But there is a separation that just took place here. A guillotine, so to speak, that just dropped. So here we have, we have a little lab experiment, kind of. When God made Adam, he just was a corpse initially, right? He formed him from the dust. And then it says that God breathed what into him? Life. Life. And what was that life? God's breath, yeah. So this is, this is symbolizing me pouring the water into the clear bottle. God's breath of life. Putting a soul and a spirit into Adam, right? So here we have Adam with the breath of life. Made in God's image. Clear, pure. No sin. But then Adam chose to do what God said do not do. He picked up that piece of fruit and disobeyed, right? So here I have some molasses, fancy molasses, <laughs> sinfully fancy. And uh, in it goes. He sinned against his maker, against his soul provider, sustainer of life. And what happens to that soul and spirit? Defiled. Can somebody come up here and separate the molasses from the water right now? He's, he, he's become tarnished, totally, completely. We used to use oil and bleach, but it was pretty wicked to work with. And so, you know, the oil would kind of cling better, but even when, you know, I tipped it around, but it just, it's defiled, all of Adam. The sin has gone into it, his thoughts, his words, his action, everything that he thinks and determines and motivates him at this point now is going to be sinfully driven. Is that the right one? <laughs> Thanks that somebody is highly observant. <laughs> so yeah, perfection with the soul, the spirit, the body, now imperfect. Yeah, well, irreverent, I definitely see. Yeah, hostile somewhat. I mean, it was defensive. It wasn't, it wasn't uh, harmonious. <laughs> it wasn't humble. Yeah. Yeah, anger, for sure. And this all started with them trying to live independently from their creator. They thought they could exist by their own strength and wisdom that no one would ever rule over them because they want to take kingship to themselves now. They wanted to have the knowledge of good and evil so they could have the final say over everything in their life. I don't know if they knew that or were having the thought that no sin is in them, but they rejected God. And at, at the very core, they were, they were choosing to sin. And so we've been talking a bit about God being holy or calling him holy God. So God, he is holy. He never stops being holy. And with that, he is just. And so as a result, he judges all who stand in rebellion and opposition to him. We see that with Satan and the demons that followed suit. God cast them down, prepared the eternal lake of fire for them, for the day of judgment, it says. 
and here God calls out to Adam and Eve, what's going to happen? He's perfectly holy. He judges rightly, perfectly. Sin can't be in his presence in, his, in the sense, and I know this gets tricky. There, there's, there's aspects of God's presence. We know that he, they sinned and he comes to them, so in a sense he's still present, but what I really want to kind of hone in on more so is there is a separation that takes place. There was a perfect eternal relationship set, and now that presence of that relationship is no more. With Satan, there was external consequences. The relationship was broke. There was separation by being thrown out of heaven. Lake of Fire is the eternal final consequence. In this part of the story, we see the start of the effects of sin in Adam and Eve with the guilt, the shame, the fear, the vulnerability, the hiding, the blaming. So there's some internal changes, and there's going to be some external consequences too. What is sin again? Anything that... Not of faith. Pardon? Anything that is not of faith. Yeah, anything that's not of faith, but let's break that down again as we've been doing. Putting. Yeah. So rejecting. Rejecting and opposing. Yeah. Anything of God. Rebellion. Rebellion. Yeah. Yeah. Where does this? Where does sin start? In the heart. Where did we read that? James. Yeah. James one, thirteen to fifteen. Yeah. Let's read this one together on the board here. This is James 1, 13 to 15. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when, by his own evil desire, he is dragged away and enticed. Then, after he desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Perfect. If only your instructor could read it as well as you can. <laughs> so yeah, it, the temptation comes. And in the garden, the tempter was external here. Right? Who was the tempter here in this picture where they're holding the fruit? Lucifer. Lucifer. Yeah, Satan, the adversary. Well then... When they sinned and disobeyed against God and broke that relationship, that perfect relationship, here they're hiding now with the fig leaves. Where is the tempter now? Pardon? Yeah, this tempter might not be right there defending them. Certainly not. He's abandoned them. But is there temptation that's now implanted in its, in, within these bodies of Adam and Eve? Yeah. So there's still an external tempter, but now, as we read in James, it's saying God isn't tempting, isn't tempting anyone to evil, but each one is tempted when by his own evil desire. So that, that evil temptation, those desires to do evil, is internalized now. He's dragged away and enticed, and, that, and those words are very interesting. Um, Satan prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking to devour. Is that Peter? First Peter 5.8? 
And, uh, and later we'll read about somebody where it says, sin is crouching at your door, desires to have you. There's this very animalistic, uh, what is the word for that? Not a personification, but the other way. Yeah, where the, like, it's almost animalized, if you could say. Sin is dragged away here, it says. By his own evil desire, now he's dragged away and, and enticed. And then this whole conceived, and I think this is very ironic, says birth to sin and sin to death. So birth that leads to death. Interesting. When you think about those words, we always think of birth as new life. But this in, in, in sin is birth to death. There are the last three words there. Gives birth to death. This is, this is sounding terrible. And this is exactly what happened to Adam and Eve. So now what? They never seen death. They told they would certainly die. I heard Brian talking about that. They hadn't seen death. They were given a warning. And if it was someone that loved you and cared for you, giving you that warning, you know it's for your best, right? Right. Yeah. Let's read a couple more verses in Genesis chapter 3. We're just going to jump to verse 17 and read 17, 18, and 19. Somebody have that for me? To Adam he said, Because you listened to the voice of your wife and ate of the tree about which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. A curse is the ground because of you. Through suffering shall you eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles shall it sprout for you, and you shall eat the herd of the field. By the sweat of your brow shall you eat bread until you turn to the ground, from which you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust shall you return. So just as God said, Adam and Eve would die, because they ate of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So God gave this warning, right? Was he unfair? No. We could assume that God was simply talking about physical death, but death, as talked about in Scripture, is not only physical. It does here talk about from dust you are, because he did make Adam from dust, and to dust you will return. So he's talking about a physical death here. But let's, let's unpack this more here. God made Adam and Eve with three parts, in a sense, right? Body, soul, and spirit. As we look at life and death in the Bible, one way of understanding death has a lot to do with separation more than anything. Um, in how the body, when it dies, there's a separation of the soul and spirit from the body. And how the soul and spirit, in spiritual death, is separated from God. So, I have a few things there for you guys. So, death of the body. The body dies and the soul and spirit are separated from the body. There's death of a perfect relationship. Soul and spirit are separated from God while the body's alive. So physically alive, yet spiritually dead. And then death of a soul and a spirit, forever separated from God in a place of eternal torment. So Adam, Adam and Eve's sin would result in a physical death because up until this point, they were created to live in an eternal relationship with God. So as far as we could know, at that point, yeah, the intention was for them to live in, perfect, in perfection, physically, spiritually, with God. But then they didn't heed God's warning. And so we have, I don't have any leafy green branches growing around Whitehorse right now, so <laughs> I have this illustration. 
And when I do do this in the summer, it's nice because I can like have a big branch and I can just like clip it up to a permanent spot and we can just watch the effects of this branch being cut off from its source. So we're getting close to Christmas. What's that? A house plant? A house plant. I know. I, I, like, my house plants are like this big. So yeah. <laughs> here's my one little leaf. Clip it here for the lesson. <laughs> so I have this Christmas trees. So we have all these nice green Christmas trees. They've been cut to be decorated. Um, but how would you describe these trees? Are they alive or are they dead? The, one, the pictures on the left, all these green cut off Christmas trees. Dead. Kevin's describing them as dead. Anybody else wanted to tell me? They're separated from the root. So they're dead. Dying slowly. Dying. Dying. Emphasis on the ing. Yeah, that's probably where I would go. Are they fully dead? Are they fully alive? No. Right. Yeah. So I think the best way to describe it is, is they are dying. They are certainly going to be completely dead. Has anybody had any luck with a lot of duct tape? trying to you know, get those babies back onto their stump and see life come back again, you're going to start to see the effects take place, right? This tree, is it totally dead, totally alive? This one with a bit of brown on it? But there's still, I see some green here. It's dying. It will be, right? Definitely will be. I mean, it's, it's cut off from, its, Judy said perfectly, its source of life. It's cut off from its source of life. It can't receive nutrients. It can't create nutrients and gather water from the air as, it's, as it would need to. And so it's going to be slowly dying physically. It's immediately separated though, right? That wasn't a slow separation. The chainsaw or whatever came in, whoosh, cut it off, done. Guaranteed. It is dying. There's no reversing that. Physically, we're talking. Uh, not that verse yet. So in verse 19 there, by the sweat of your brow, you will have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. For you were made from dust and to dust you will return. So you will return, God is saying. We know that he is faithful. So even in this direction, Adam might not want to have heard this or Eve, but God is faithful to even what he's saying there. This will happen. There's other verses, Psalm 90, verse 3, Ecclesiastes 12, 7, that say something quite similar. Um, here to James 20, uh, 2, verse 26. The body without the spirit is dead. So just kind of breaking it down a little more, some separation. What we can't see with a dying branch is what? As I'm using it, this is where the illustration stops. We don't see a spiritual death take place with the, with the, the Christmas tree analogy or illustration. This is where Adam and Eve were now, in the same sense, cut off from their source of spiritual life. There was a separation. They were spiritually dead, alive yet dying physically. But spiritually, because the relationship with God was broken, they're spiritually dead. And this is, again, this separation from God, there, there was no longer a perfect relationship with him anymore. That's what their choice to rebel against him led to. Would you turn with me to Isaiah 59, verse 2? Isaiah 59, verse 2. 
says here, It's your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, he has turned away and will not listen anymore. Some versions might say iniquities. Does that, yeah, NIV has iniquities. Mm-hmm. Have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so he will not hear you. What does eternal death of the soul look like and what does that mean? Yeah, from the body. And what, what does that look like beyond that? What does it mean? Well, my thoughts are that when you eternally separated is that we're made up of, of three parts, body, soul, and spirit. Body, body is a house, but the soul is, is, is the real you, and the spirit is the electricity that keeps you going. Okay, <laughs> right on. In Matthew... 25, God describes a little bit of what that eternal separation is going to be like. In 25, 31 to 46, it's talking about uh, the sheep and the goats being separated. Right, yeah. So the king here is separating the righteous and the wicked. And in verse 41, he says, He will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into an eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. So Adam Adam and Eve's souls have now just turned coarse left without any intervention they are on certain destruction path of certain destruction the lake of fire what will their existence be like because of their sin at this point everything they had before was found in god they needed god's help in every way and at all times god sustained them they have life because of god alone and they continue continuously rely on God's goodness, his mercy and grace. So they've cut off from that. What does that look like? Suffering. Yeah, nothing like this, right? Perfection in the garden. That's everything you can think of here. Just take the reverse of that. So what are the good things here? Yeah, abundance. So now scarcity. What else? Yeah, their work was, in a sense, easy. So now, by the sweat of your brow, Adam, you're going to work the ground. Yeah? No fellowship with God. That fellowship with God has been broke. Yeah. The sin doesn't change who God is in these pictures, in this picture here. God is still good, still gracious, still merciful, still holy, still almighty, still sovereign. But yeah, for Adam and Eve they're not going to receive that same picture of perfection. It is between thorns and thistles started. Right. And mosquitoes. And cats. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, sadly, there's now going to be anguish, torment. There's an eternal path to this, to the lake of fires where there'd be eternal regret. Eternal gnashing of teeth, hopelessness, if they die in the same condition. So we're going to start to look and unpack and point to more of this death in Adam chart. So I think I have some of it here on the PowerPoint, and then one's over here. So now, this is kind of the opposite of all that was at place in the garden here. So they're cut off from God, number one. They're now sinners against God. They've sided with the adversary of God. 
So they are now ruled by it in all of life. And as they've, as they've jumped sides here, they've, they've come under King Satan. Little K, King Satan, not the true king. They're now relying on their own abilities. They, they took the matters into their own hands. We don't trust you, God. You're not good, is what their actions were saying. We want to decipher for ourselves what's good, what's evil. And you can see where that's gotten us to today. They're ruled by shame and fear. It was shame and fear that drove them to cover themselves, thinking that that would be adequate. Ruled by pride, so blind. They're not, not going to see with the same perfect clarity they saw before God in the world. Refusing to admit their sin, more pride. Remember, they were playing the blame game immediately. So they weren't, God said, where are you? What could they have said? Nothing. I'm here. Nothing? Yeah, they could have said nothing. <laughs> that would have been worse. It's sort of like, your principal called me today, Kevin. Uh, are you going to tell me what you did wrong? Or, and your beating will be half as bad? Or <laughs> yeah. So they could have said, we messed up. We messed up. But their pride blinded them, so they didn't admit their sin. They just passed the blame. They're now enemies of God. And that's hard for people to see. But if they've sided with the adversary, Satan, are they God's friends? No. So they, they're enemies of God, as Satan is. Ruled by King Satan, who seeks to destroy them. So yeah, was Satan here protecting them? So they, he tempted them. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Knowledge, wisdom, pleasing, all this stuff. Where is he here? Is he there defending them? I bet he was hoping for the same annihilation, obliteration that he basically received. But he wouldn't have known, because Satan is not all-knowing. But that's what he was hoping for. And again, this is a picture of where Satan is not everywhere present at once, because he wasn't there. (laughs) He is limited. Um, There's now this concept that will continue to build and develop sin debt. We're familiar with financial debt. I'm indebted to you of your gratitude. But here, in the negative sense, there's a sin debt against God. And he's under his wrath. And we're going to learn that this sin debt, you can't take yourself out from under. Then the second point, bodies are dying. Just like the tree, cut off from its source of life. The one who is the provider of the abundant life. Their bodies are dying, guaranteed. And the third one, another death. Spirit and soul will go to the lake of fire forever and under the punishment of God. So even, even in hell, in the lake of fire, where we talk of there's a separation from God's presence, I mean, it's basically God's wrath is there. So God is present still there, but it's under the punishment. Remember we were talking a while ago about the curse of God? That there's an active aspect of God in the curse against Satan? I believe, too, that, that there's overlap with that in the lake of fire. How does that sound? Yeah. Horrible. Horrible. And ruling, being ruled by pride with all of that, they're just going to be blinded all along the way without intervention. What did Adam and Eve deserve at this point? Ice cream for trying hard? Everything they got? And more. And more? Yeah, I think so. They've rebelled. They're enemies of God. What happened to the first r- rebel in heaven? Cast away instantly. Cast away instantly. So there was an instantaneous there with Satan, really. 
There was immediate, there was immediate physical removal. There was immediate spiritual disconnection between Satan and God. But with Adam and Eve, let's think about this initial interaction. God calls out to him. He's still holy. His qualities are still in perfect tension. He will always judge rightly and justly. And as a just judge, based on true facts, Adam and Eve did sin, right? Can we, are we agreed upon that? Adam and Eve disobeyed. That was sin. So they did sin. God sees that. He will judge them as what? Sinners. Guilty. Guilty as charged. To pretend like it didn't happen, would God still be just and holy? To pretend it didn't happen, would God still be just and holy? To pretend it didn't happen? Yeah. To turn a blind eye, so to speak? No. 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 That would go against God's character. God is holy and just. He is also merciful and gracious, which we haven't dove deeply into these titles, into merciful and gracious yet. But the all-knowing God, he knew where they were. He called out to them because we start to see these attributes of God's mercy and grace down here. He's merciful and gracious. Did he have to call out? Was he under obligation to give a second chance or a moment? Buy them a bit of time? Did he have to? Giving them opportunity. Did he, what opportunity did he give Satan? Nothing. Did Adam and Eve deserve this opportunity? There's, there's this exceptional love for his image bearers, Adam and Eve, isn't there? And we start to see these other attributes really flourish here of God's mercy and grace. He was calling out to Adam, pointing out to him that he was hiding. He's, of course he knew, but he, in a sense, he's saying, I know, I know you guys are hiding. You're not walking with me as we did in the cool of the day. That is sin, Adam's sin and Eve's sin jeopardized their relationship severely, risked throwing it away. And so his calling and giving, giving a chance was mercy and grace coming out here. Um, from Just standing out the difference that he created the angels. He created man and woman differently. There's a different relationship there. There is. Very different. Angels were created to do his bidding, to worship him. I mean, we were created to worship him as well, but they were, they were there in his full presence to do a different role, to be different than we are. Um, they weren't said, said to be made in his image, although I think they had aspects of, you know, being able to worship and enjoy. But yeah, I know very different still. In the Christian Apologetics Research Ministry, a website, they say here, God asked Adam where he was, not because he wanted to know Adam's physical location. He was calling out to Adam, pointing out to him that he was hiding from him, that his sin jeopardized risk throwing away his calling and responsibility given to him by God. God was giving them an opportunity. We've touched on that now. And uh, the truth we'll see over and over in the Bible is God extending mercy and grace before judgment and punishment. God in his absolute holiness, supremacy, his awesomeness, he's the only one who can hold these things in perfect tension 
of love, mercy, and grace with the perfect justice. He's not going to turn a blind eye. He can't. He's holy. But he holds it in perfect unity with what needs to be judged and where his wrath needs to be poured out. We're all quick to think that, yeah, God is love, but, and, and turn our eyes to, oh, he's not, he doesn't have judgment or he's not, he's not going to curse or condemn. But he does, in, perfect, in perfection, hold these attributes all, all together. Adam and Eve didn't deserve this. They didn't deserve God to extend mercy and grace. But he loved them, made in his image. He was extending himself. In a sense, there was a delayed, an opportunity for a delayed judgment, delayed wrath. Um, let's look at what mercy is here. It's a term that we're going to continue to use, and I want to continue to make sure that we are clear on it. So mercy is not receiving what you deserve, more in the negative sense, not receiving a punishment that you deserve, whereas grace is kind of going the, the other mile of getting something that you're not deserving because you haven't earned it. It's going the other, the other mile, so to speak. It's freely given. We call it one-way love. It's God who's the initiator of it. He's, he's the source of it, so to speak. Um, does that make sense? Or do you guys want to add anything to that, to either of those? Getting better. Getting better, yeah. That's what you're saying, getting better than we deserve with God's grace. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's like kind of a practical example that I've used before. It's like if my child has done something requiring discipline, I refrain from disciplining them, say with a spanking, so that's mercy. And then I say, you know what, I really want to connect with you about this. Let's go for an ice cream. Let's talk about this. That's grace. They're getting something. What, their disobedience didn't earn them an ice cream cone, but I want to give that to them so that I can get farther, in a sense, with them and, and show them my love for them. They didn't deserve it. They didn't earn it. They didn't initiate it. They couldn't have bought that, in a sense, bought that privilege. But I give it freely. And that's, that's what God's grace is. But even God way, way better. Pardon me? God provides forgiveness. Yeah. And that's his graciousness. So let's get, let's get into the contrary beliefs. Um, I have written behind me here, how do people view death today? So we have, we've been breaking down. I can bring back some of these death things here if you want. Um, how do people view death today? And, and there's the spiritual, there's the physical. Um, People maybe today would even maybe talk of like a mental death, dying. But, but what are, from what we've learned tonight, the truth of God's word, that there being separation from God spiritually, the body dying is separation from the soul and spirit. Those are the truths we've seen. What are lies that we see today of what the world thinks of death? Spiritual, physical. Yeah, that's a huge one. Nothing after death. What did we read that pushes against that? That pushes that lie out, is what I mean. 
Yeah. We're, we're eternal beings. Yeah, in Matthew, it said, yeah, to the place that I prepared for the devil. Lake of fire. Yeah, what else? What other um, opposing views of death lies about death today? Reincarnation. Reincarnation. So yeah, you just keep coming back, keep coming back, and you reach perfection you've you've lived the perfect life karma okay good people Yeah. And that's exactly in line with the knowledge of the tr- eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, taking matters into your own hands to redefine what is good. And we've become experts in this today. Because even myself, when I was saved, um, it was said of me, well, you were always a good person. It's not like you were this like, wild child who, you know, did doing all these sort of classic bad things. You were a good person. So what did you need in Christianity that you didn't have before? So yeah, that's a redefining of what is good and what is sufficient to get out from under that sin debt. Another one could be that when the body dies, it's Yeah, better place. Could be, depending on what's... Better place. So yeah, you'd be in a better place if, in fact, you have been walking with God with your life and and placed your trust in Him, but not in a better place if you know nothing of a payment of sin. There's a denial of death, right? For some people, there's a denial. Cause, and especially in our Western world where it is kind of swept away. Like, who here has seen anybody die? I mean, a couple people. But not the majority, right? Majority of people have not. Because it's swept, on, it's swept away, right? Yeah, it's institutionalized. And even if, you, even if some of us who have seen death, it's, all, it's always prettied up. They've been uh, embalmed or you know, and made to look like they were as they were alive. And so it's, it's made beautiful. So then sometimes people can say death is actually beautiful. 
And that's what I'm hearing more and more with euthanasia uh, or assist, assisted suicide or whatever, whatever the terms are called. Um, pardon? Made medical assisted dying. Made medical assisted dying. Okay. In dying. Wow. M-A-I-D. Wow. Yeah, I'm hearing so much of it. And I mean, even too, like where people are being praised. And I mean, not that it's not praiseworthy, but they get, they get their affairs in order and then they die. And that's beautiful. That's beautiful is what's said. Um, Death should be easy. And I think, too, there's, like, view of death today, is it not also sort of minimalized? Everybody dies. There's no avoiding it. So there's, there's the avoidance, but then there's also natural. the... Yeah, it's natural. But it, was it natural in the Garden of Eden when everything was created perfect? Was death part of that picture? No. Right. It's not natural. It's not, it's not the created order the way that God meant for it to be. That's right. Um, I mean, there's also the desensitization to death. You think of video games today and, uh, and how, yeah, you think of how war is fought. And, you know, it used to be more hand-to-hand combat. And now it's push a button somewhere in the world and somewhere else in the world other people die. Um, or you can think of a lot of young people who, you know, ski down a mountain as though they'll, they're immortal, as though they won't die either. So, I mean, there's kind of the back and forth on both sides, right? There's a total denial and ignorance, immortality attitude, or there's the beautifying and, and everyone's going to die and, and it's natural. Um, it's, it's normal because, yeah, ever since Adam and Eve, everybody has died. Um, Oh, wow. I heard even, even the, and I don't know if this was coincidental or if this has been a deliberate decision, but like cemeteries used to be side by side a church. So I don't know if that was a practical thing or if that was to remind us of the brevity of life and that, yes, we all do die, but make this life count. Now cemeteries are, or whatever, are removed. And so again, the idea of death is removed from our everyday thinking, and then it's easy to live not with eternity in the forefront of our mind as well. Um, anyways, there's lots and lots that could be said of death, and I would just challenge you guys, what, what have you guys bought into? It's hard for me to point a question so much like that at you guys, but, and I ask myself that, what have I bought into? I mean, I know there, in my life there's times that I, I live without sight of eternity, that 
you know, I will, I know I won't live forever, but sometimes my daily, my in the moment thinking can act that way. And, uh, and it's when we live with, with reality before us, the true reality before us that we live as true, better reflections of God as his image bears. Um, so are, are these truths or are these lies that we've written up here? Are we going to hold to them if they don't line up with God's word? Who wants to destroy it for me because I have a terrible shot? <laughs> Kevin, come on, show me what you're made of. <laughs> I got this too. Perfect. You can do it. <laughs> Last time I walked over there, that was cheating. Oh! He got the rim. He got the rim, folks. <laughs> so, so statements in God's word that we have seen tonight, I just want to kind of run through them, make sure that we're hearing what's been said in this lesson. Adam and Eve sinned. A sinner is a person who sins, who rebels, who rejects, who opposes God's will, ways, word, um, and that's thought, action, deed. Um, a sinner's body and spirit are dead towards God because they've been separated from God. And God is their sole source of life, abundant life, true life. And, uh, and so there's also yeah, the separation from God giving to death. Another one is sinners, they earn a punishment, a, a, a sin punishment with God, and they deserve his wrath. That's another hard one to hear. I'll say it again. All sinners earn a sin punishment with God and deserve his wrath. The price is separation from him and the soul spending eternity in a lake of fire. Another one is God shows mercy and grace before issuing punishment. We see that tonight too with Adam and Eve. How are you guys feeling? How are you feeling with, with what, what I've said, what's been shared? With, with where we're at in the story, how are you feeling? Or what are you thinking? that we have to uncover that answer yet in the word because we'll let the word speak to that but yeah there is that that everyone will get there so why bother trying if it's all the same for everyone are you guys feeling helpless are you feeling sad are you feeling angry are you feeling like i can't believe you said it like that brent is there anything that i've said that the word isn't saying Everything, everything that I bring up, I want to know that we're rooting it in the word, tying it to the word. I'm doing my best to make sure it's the word speaking and I'm not throwing my spin on it. Um, these are the truths of God's word. He is just, he's holy, he, he will punish for sin, and we see that. The question about uh, soul and spirit going to heaven. Yeah. Because God said in, uh, in uh, Proverbs, fear, fear not him that can kill the body but fear him that can separate soul and spirit yeah it's a soul and spirit it's a soul and body that goes to hell the spirit goes back to God there, yeah I was reading today too that yeah God says like the spirit will come back to me and uh, how to dissect that exactly I'm not certain but um, 
Anybody have any thoughts they want to give on what Brian just shared? For the spirit back to God? Uh, what was that? It might have been the Matthew verse, perhaps. Yeah. But those who those who also um, do not serve him in this life will come before him for judgment, all will be judged. So in that way I would interpret like minimally that. Like at right. the very least on judgment day we will all return to him for yeah. for judgment. Either way it will be you, it'll be your soul, it'll be your body. Body and body and soul, the spirit will back to God. Yeah. I don't know if that's the verse you're looking at, but Ecclesiastes 12, 7 says, And the dust returns to the ground from which it came, and the Spirit returns to God who gave it. That's the verse, yeah. Yeah, that was with the other Psalm 90, verse 3, and yeah, Ecclesiastes 12, 7. So just one more correction there. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. Why do you think God has, at this point, warned us? He, gave, he put this in his word for us, because the word is for all people for all times, is it not? Why do you think he's given us these warnings of the real meaning and the seriousness of death? Because that's how he looks at sin. Pardon me? That's how he looks at sin. That, he, he cannot stand. He is so holy. He can't look at sin. Yeah, he wants us to understand his holiness. He wants us to understand the implications of death, separation, pride. He wants us to understand his love. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and because of his love, he prepared a way for us. For showing his grace. That's right. At this point, Adam and Eve stood in pride. Um... I have under here humility. This is what I believe God wants each of us, to, how he wants each of us to respond, admitting that he is, he is good, he is loving, he is gracious. All we need is found in him as our source of life, our true owner. That we can belong to him alone as our sole owner and final ruler. That God, I need you to continuously lead and teach me. I exist for you alone and I am a sinner against you, completely unable to help myself. Adam and Eve were pretty helpless at this point. They couldn't do anything. But God initiated. Where are you? What's happened? Did you eat of the tree I, I told you not to eat of? The one who's the provider of the abundant life initiates and reaches out from Adam and Eve, who chose to rebel and separated themselves from God. So yeah, we'll, we'll go forward next week learning more about like physical consequences, external consequences, and living in independence from God. Um, that's a lot to take in tonight. Uh, there's a lot of heaviness there, I think. There's not a lot of hope at this point, other than knowing that God is indeed good. So, as we leave on that, God is holy and just. He punishes sin, but he is also merciful and gracious, even though Adam and Eve at this point chose to separate themselves from God. Um, if there's not any questions, let, is there questions, I should say? Not so much a question, but thinking about this, what we have learned so far is the perfection of what it was to begin with. Mm. And we know that God is going to do that at the end, like the start and the end. That, that is what our hope is, is to look forward to this perfection that will come. That's right. I have seen through this whole thing that has helped me to hang on to it, to actually see what it was like back then. 
And we're in Advent, we're in a season of hope right now. And it's not hoping in, hoping in something that's hedging our bets. It's hoping in certainty. It's hoping... It's a living hope. It's a living hope in, in one that will deliver. Yeah, that's a beautiful thing. All right. For myself. Of what once was. Yeah. 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 Looking at that brown water bottle, it's just very. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's it's funny, but I'm like, really, like, so I'm redeeming the whole process of thanksgiving. That's what Adam looks like, and that everyone who's born in Adam looks like that at birth. Yeah, yeah, a bottle of oil. If not darker. Yeah, well, exactly. If I wasn't an environmentalist, which am I? I don't know. Um, it, it would be oil, and it would be coated. There'd be no way that this bottle could wipe itself clean. It could get it back to being the perfection that God began with. Not, not on its own volition or abilities. No way. Are you guys having opportunity to interface with this with other people throughout your week? I'd like to hear about it. <laughs> Even if it's privately sometime, somewhere. Um, yeah, let it overflow. Uh, become acquainted with these books. And, uh, and like I said, if there's things like the line on number five there that, that are hard to... And again, we are still in beta mode, so I'm not saying that we've landed this entirely. But if there's things like that that are... you like, I don't see that theologically. Talk to me. Andrew's talked to me about that one already. Um, <laughs> but, but make your own notes. It's, uh, you know, these, these are not... Uh, this is not scripture, although there's scripture reference at the bottom. But get acquainted with this. Use it devotionally. I, I, just look at it. Meditate upon... The, you know, the truths that are on that picture. Go back to Genesis. Read the account of that story and just let God's word wash over you and over your thinking. And yeah, grow. So enjoy that. I'll close this in prayer and then we can hang out or whatever. God, you are good. You are faithful. You are holy. We know that that means you act perfectly with all these things in harmony. You do not brush sin under the carpet. You judge it. But God, we aren't deserving of your grace and mercy, and yet you, you, you bring it out. You pour it out. And God, we thank you for that. We thank you for how you extended grace and mercy to Adam and Eve. And this just teaches us more of who you are. You are not um, quick to anger. You are slow to anger and extend your mercy and grace quickly. Thank you so much for your truth, for your love, Thank you that you've given us your word, that we can study it and know you and know ourselves better in the truth of reality. Lord, our world paints a very different picture about death and, and tries to say that that's, that's reality. God, we know that your truth is in the word and we want to take all of our thoughts back to your word and just give them to you that you would wash over us. In Jesus' name, amen.